Hey, hi everyone. Thank you so much for listening to Beyond Eight Figures. This is AJ, the journeyman entrepreneur with another Beyond Eight Figure episode for you. On the show, we talk with top entrepreneurs about the realities of building an eight-figure business, what success really means to them, and hear from them about some of their winning strategies and tactics. Tune in to each episode to learn how to grow your business beyond 10 million, and more importantly, create your own personal legacy. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode. I have a great interview with one of the best storytellers I've ever gotten a chance to talk with. But before we go talk about Mike Smith of Rebel Mill, look, I would love it if you can go give us a review. Go to your podcast listening place of choice and leave us a review. Love it if you give us a five star, but I don't care. I just would love to hear what you think and what you think we can do to improve the show. So please leave us a review and let us know what we can do to get this to be a better podcast for you. Okay. Now this is getting new for me. So once again, a word from our sponsor. Second time we've had a sponsor, same sponsor, but still make the cut.fm is the team that does all the production work for my podcast. And they make my life so much better. I had so much difficulties trying to find a service I could trust and did a great job. But when I started working with the women from Make the Cut, my life got so much better. I could focus on just having deep conversations with these entrepreneurs who come on the show and diving into where they are in their journeys. So Make the Cut takes care of coordinating the guests, following up with them, doing all the production work behind the scenes, getting rid of a lot of my ums and odds and improving the sound quality while also helping me get my social media in place. I loved working with them. They make my life so much better. So if you're thinking of starting a podcast or you have a podcast, you want to kick it up a notch, go talk to makethecut.fm folks and tell them AJ of Beyond Dave Figures sent you their way. Mike Smith is an amazing guy. He's been a speaker on so many things. He's done so much cool things. He's probably the coolest guy I've gotten to talk to in a long time. He's a former speaker, author, content creator. It just goes on and on how cool. But what's so cool about the conversation is he is a driven, mission-focused social entrepreneur. Rebel Mill is this effort of love that Mike has been putting so much into creating. It started off as sort of an after-school place for misfits. And I love how he'll talk about what are misfits because as a geek in my early childhood who just grew really quickly when I got to be a teenager, I really should have just been left alone in a computer room. Just happened to be way, way big. So I got forced to play sports. But Mike's talking about his love for these kids and being one of these kids and what he did to create a place that felt right for them. And then the effort he's put in over the years to now recently create a full-time school, and this is really cool, just goes to show the effort of ongoing following your mission, following that which is most important to you. He'll talk about how it's not overnight, that it's about the sacrifices. If you had just seen Mike at talking, doing some of the Red Bull or Flipboard with Microsoft or all these other sponsorships and amazing things he's done, 
You would have thought he was living high in a hog. But no, all of this was going back into Rabble Mill. Everything he was doing was all so he could help progress the benefit of what he was doing for them. And it has succeeded. And he's continuing to, continuing to build it with the school and even further efforts. So I think that's going to be a really cool thing to talk about. And as you think about your own efforts of like how far you're willing to go and what you're willing to put into it, think about, all right, what you can do and what can be put in. Just really interesting. Probably my most favorite moment of this is we're going to talk about what are the KPIs that are important? Because here he is, he's running this organization that takes on government money. Obviously, it's a school. They have to work within. It's a school for kids who need to get educated and do this. So they have to play well within government organizations. So they have KPIs they have to deliver on. But what he and his team really focus on is a concept that I totally just fell in love with when he talks about it is creating significant moments of impact and how they focus on what these moments are and then tying that to everything else within the KPIs because they do have a very high organizational operational overload that they have to connect with and measure and grow and manage. But it's all about finding these moments of significant moments of impacts for the students. Now, yes, how he does it and why he does it is going to be different than anyone else listening to the show. But it is something we can start looking at. What are these significant moments of impact that we create from our own efforts if we're trying to become more mission-driven, if we're trying to walk the walk? Talk so often in the past with guests and just together of, look, being mission-driven isn't the guaranteed pathway to success. But it is a really good way to help. And building it over an incremental, step-by-step, directionally correct process and living this is going to help your business. Looking at how Mike talks about creating these significant moments of impact, I think can allow us to create these, okay, what am I doing? How can I get there a little bit further? If I create these S. MIs on a consistent basis, directionally correct, incrementally. If we do this, then maybe we're getting closer to being more mission-driven. Just something to take out of this. Look, Mike is obviously a wonderful storyteller, but he's also just a really great guy. I had so much fun talking about this, and I've had so much fun even just texting with him since this interview. Enjoy the episode. Hey, Mike, thank you so much for being on here. Yes, <laughs> we got our coffees. Ready to do it. This is so great to have you here on the show. I've just been gushing to the audience just about your background and all the cool things you've been doing. This is so cool to have you on. And since you were just telling me all this cool stuff that's going on right now with you, with Rabbit Mill and everything, can you just tell us where you are as an entrepreneur now? social entrepreneur, however you define it. But then let's talk about the cool stuff that's going on. Rabble Mill is the name of our organization. And basically we're a statewide nonprofit that works with youth all across Nebraska. And so we always say we are proudly serving the misfits. So we work with those kids that they love skateboarding, music, fashion, hip hop, beat making, 
And just kids who love counterculture youth need a place to be themselves and do what they do. But there's so much talent and potential in that space. It's just got to be harnessed. And so I've always worked with kind of that demographic. And so Rabble Mill is the name of our organization. And it's really the merger of two best friends from a small town growing up. One started a music nonprofit right out of college. One started a skateboarding nonprofit. We did our thing in Lincoln and Omaha for eight years. We crossed paths a few times doing our org work. And then in 2018, we merged and we joined forces and we created Rabble Mill as the organization. And so we have these programs. One is called the Bay, which is this youth center in, in Lincoln. So it's this 20,000 square foot warehouse for kids, skateboarding. There's a skate park, coffee shop, concert venues, esports arena, recording studios, computer lab, like the coolest place ever that no kid ever had growing up. Because every time I talk to adults, they're like, where was that when I was a kid? And I'm like, I know, right? We're building it. We're building it right now. Open just for kids. It's open late. This is the spot where youth culture goes down. And so we've all, we've had this skate park and it's awesome. And so one of the things that had happened was during our journey, kids were skipping school to come skate the park. So I'd get calls from principals and you're like taking kids back to school and you're like, dude, like, what are you doing? You know what I mean? Like, you're trying to be a good role model and it's funny on one hand, but also like they got to get back to school. And one kid literally just said, oh man, I wish we could go to school at the Bay. And it, that was like the trigger. It was like, that was the new, that was the new problem to solve was like, hey, what if they could go to school at the Bay? And so Lincoln, Nebraska, we have focus programs. So we like have a school at the zoo. It's a Lincoln public school, but it's at the zoo. So kids learn science focus there. So they get to interact with the animals and the zoo staff. And so we have another one called Arts and Humanities. So that school, Arts and Humanities is baked into their entire education. There's one that's got an ag tech focus and one that's got a nursing focus. And eight years ago or whatever this was, six years ago, I think we just started pushing. We want to become a school. Like we want to be a place where kids can go to school. And so we just pushed and we finally got to the point where three years ago, right before COVID, the school board passes this initiative to open more programs, to attract more diverse students. So we were first in line and we were like, let's do this. And so the week that the pandemic hit, we got the green light to basically raise this money to go try to start this new innovative high school. And so on the heels of trying to raise money to stay open as a nonprofit, when everyone has to go virtual in a pandemic, we also were tasked with creating enough money and raising, we had to raise around a million dollars as a pass through to basically start this school. And so we did it. Our community pulled together. We were able to keep the org afloat. And last week, our school opened. And so we opened with our first class of juniors and seniors. And so it's been so cool to see just how stoked the kids are, how excited they are, and how diverse just their reasons for choosing this school is. And so we literally started like a public school. And so it's called Bay High. It's BMIT. So it's like business, marketing, and information and tech focus. So we're teaching kids all of this stuff. Podcasting is a class content creations, a class, photo, video. They're going to be experts in Adobe. They're going to be fantastic at design. So we're teaching them to think like designers. That's really the focus is having that thinking is exactly what it is. And so we're pushing hard towards design thinking because it fits right in line with the classes they're taking. And so we've created just these really cool clubs and experiences that can add on to the high school day. So our yearbook class is going to be an after school club. We have skate club after school. We have a coffee club where kids will get their food handlers permit and become certified baristas. So part of the club, they'll learn how to make latte art and we'll be pumping out some of the best baristas in town. There's a club called Live at the Bay. And so the kids 
run our venue. So they'll throw the shows, they'll book the bands, they'll shoot the content, they'll run lights and sound and the door. And so it's really this like little echo chamber of entrepreneurship for these kids. Like they get to learn all the skills and jobs and tasks that kind of exist in this creative space for them. And we're sticking cameras in their hands and softwares at their fingertips and just giving them an opportunity to really connect with what they're excited about. And so we opened this week. And so it's such a fun time for us because we're in this process of, all right, we were this really cool place for youth to go. We work with after-school youth and we run summer camps. We just got back from this insane summer camp. We literally just took 50 kids from all across the state of Nebraska into the woods for five nights and did like a skate camp. It was like skateboarding and bee making and adventure. We were like, we're adventure and leadership collide. And we ran this like wild camp. You have homeschool kids from a town of 200 who like most country kids you've ever met, nickname is cowboy, hanging out with our like kids who are in the non-binary cabin who have a different vocabulary and a different life experience. And they'd never met someone like each other. And they got to go learn how to skateboard together out in the woods in the middle of nowhere in Nebraska. So it was like, it was incredible. You know what I mean? It was like a million problems to solve, but such a cool experience for the kids. And so it was just a rad experience. But yeah, so we're just in this moment where we've got youth culture exploding inside of our space and we're doing something that's really on the forefront. I've never seen a nonprofit or a youth organization do what we're doing at the rate and at the clip that we're doing it. And we're signing a lease in the next few weeks for our Omaha space. We're expanding and we're going to open another building, another space in a different city. And so we're, I've been telling our team, we went from like startup and survival mode for the first 12 years to now we're like at that scale up phase where it's like, how do we open another one? How do we create this in more communities? And for me, I feel like we're, it's like we're creating the next YMCA. Like that's how I feel. Like the power of it. No one's rethought that. The alt YMCA. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like the place where you drop your kid off at three, you can pick them up at eight, the programming's incredible. Maybe they don't love sports, but man, they really want to be a gamer or a vlogger or a YouTuber or a coder. And it's like, we're creating spaces for them to learn those skills. And yeah, I'm just, as you're talking about it, I'm both thinking about like my own sort of as a hacker, free runner, couldn't skateboard or, or do bike tricks, but I could jump over anything. So we used to, so like, I remember all like the alternative things like, and then I went to school down South and it was like all the weirdos hung out to get in my own, but because there just wasn't enough density of like X type of people, we all had to hang out together. And I'm thinking like, oh yeah, it was just random. This you're creating the structure. And I'm thinking my kids who are much more normal than I ever was as they have their groups and stuff thinking how cool that is because so much of it is just worrying about if there's going to be other people who are not the same or it's different, but sometimes people group. So that is so cool that you're creating and fostering it. This has been a hard 12 years. You were like, yeah. And a lot of excitement came from it, but 12 years is a lot of work. What about you? Where are you though on this journey now here as the entrepreneur? Yeah. So for me, when you start a nonprofit, you have to make these impossible, insane sacrifices if it's going to survive. If you just look at the survival rate of a business that makes money, it's not very good. A nonprofit doesn't make any money. You got to go ask for it. And so the survival rate of nonprofits is so small. And so for the first 
we've been around since 2010. For the first 11 years, I wasn't even on salary. I never even got paid. I was never even a part of the, I was on the board and I ran the thing as the executive director, but I had to find a different way to fund this because Nebraska is a unique place. Lincoln's a football town. And so I did impossible things just to start. I, I slept and lived homeless under a bridge for 30 nights in a literal blizzard just to raise money to go into this thing. Like I, I've skateboarded across the state of Nebraska. It's 430 miles from like the Wyoming border to Lincoln. And I've literally skated the state on a skateboard three times to raise money for this and just to do it. And then I, to really create it, I created this whole separate business that was, I became a professional speaker and was a brand ambassador and a content creator. And I had this whole Mike Smith live experience where all of this speaking and these brands and all the endorsements and things I got went into this organization to fund it and fuel it just to get it to this point where we could hire someone who could write grants. And so for me, the journey was, I feel like I went through this personal battle of creating a business that and speaking and I was good at it and creating content, good at it, all those things. Awesome, right? Like you can get really good at something, create a career out of it and become a professional storyteller. And I do, I did all those things, but it wasn't because I wanted to be a professional speaker or a storyteller or an author or a content creator or have millions of views or run my own leadership tours. I lived in a tour bus for eight months and traveled the world because of a microphone and a story. But all of those things were fueled by what we do at Rabble Mill. Like I wanted Rabble Mill to make it and survive and succeed. And so when I used to fly 250 days a year to schools and to conferences and events, and it wasn't like the motivator wasn't like, oh, it's one more. I love working with kids. So I'm in the school with youth. I was working in my strength. If I was giving speeches to adults, oh my goodness, like the pay would have been better, but my soul would have left the building long before I started. Adults can't handle my energy and don't understand even how to interact with me. When I'm in a room full of youth or young people, that's when it's like, okay, this is my, that's where my heartbeat is and that's where my pulse is. And so it was the perfect thing, but I did it to create this space where youth can go and can be. And I think that when I would speak about the Bay to kids around the world, everyone wants this. Every young person is like, we need that in our town. We want one of these. Like, how do we get one? And so I knew I was like speaking things into existence. Six years ago, I was like, we're going to start a school. I was like, I'm in the process now. I'm fighting for it right now. And I want to put a school in our space. And I started talking about it six years ago. And teachers would be like, there's no way. You know how many people thought we could never do it? You know what I mean? And now we did it. But I feel like I just... I went through this like personal battle of creating a business that's like the most exhausting thing you can do is fly every day and travel every day and rent a car every day and hotel every day. Every day isn't romantic. A few times a year is cool, but like every day, like people would be like, oh, my commute's two hours. And I was like, my commute's two time zones. What are you talking about? Like, I got to go from New York to LA, then back to Orlando. And that's like by Wednesday. You know what I mean? Like things like that would happen. Everybody is like, what do you think of? And I'm like, if I close my eyes, I see a Holiday Inn Express breakfast bar. I see some gymnasium with a thousand kids and a terrible audio system. And you got to work magic just to make sure everyone can hear you. And then it's like hauling ass to the airport or to return your rental car. And like, then you're in the United Club. Just and that's when I would do the stuff I loved. I'd be on the phone talking about the skate park. What are we doing at the Bay? What's our programming? I was like a whole different life until three o'clock. And then 3 p.m. until wherever I got to where my head rested, I was just building the bay and rattle mill and what we do. And so I'm out of that season. COVID got me out of that season. I don't speak anymore. I've 
retired that lifestyle and now I'm just focused on this, I'm able to get paid and be on staff. It's like the, it's like a, I'm actually feeling like I get to live like the start of that entrepreneurial dream a little bit. Cause I get to wake up every day and just focus on the one thing that I love the most. And it, it really is what we're doing at Ravel. And so I'm in my happiest part of this journey. People are like, how long does it take to make it? How long does it take to survive? I lived unrealistically and sacrificed everything for 12 years to get to today. You know what I mean? And I think that that's lost on a lot of people because you can follow an overnight success story of, I made this and now I make $33,000 a month and you can too. And it's like, did you know that person skipped every hangout, breakfast, birthday, brunch, fun time? I like, I don't even, I've missed every birthday, Christmas, Thanksgiving, you name it. I haven't been to a wedding, funeral. I've missed all the things that sold out for this one thing. And that has its consequences. It really does. And I think a lot of people, because the internet can exponentially make you money quicker than a lot of other things, like it can happen on the internet so much faster. I think that people just want that success quicker. And I think that's what I've realized is my quick thing to success was 12 years of just getting to where, like now I get a paycheck. Now I get to start, you know what I mean? And so I feel like in 12 more years, we might be like, we did it. But I feel like I'm just in the start in a lot of ways. You created the foundation and that's the cool thing in talking about like behind. As an entrepreneur, we do go into the journey in the wilderness, you know, and sometimes that wilderness is even before we know we've started a business, we're just out there doing stuff. But then that's an intense slog. Your passion for this is obvious, but like 12 years, that's hard. Obviously, you had the after school programs, you had other types of traction to feed that process. But what do you think most helped you keep that passion going for 12 years? I think you actually mentioned this earlier and it's how I think I got here is my passion wasn't like build a skate park. It was way bigger than that. Like my goal wasn't open up a place where kids can go to do the things. It was like way bigger than that. And, and if I hit a goal, I just moved to the benchmark. And the way that I try to tell everyone is people say, follow your passion. And I have a shitload of passion, but I played college basketball. Used to love that. Don't, I, don't, I haven't touched a basketball in 10 years. Like the passion for that is no longer. And so passions come and go. If I would have chose a career in my passion, I'd be doing something in the basketball field right now. Like I would be, but I chose a different thing, which was like youth culture and making an impact in Nebraskan youth specifically. And so for me, what I tell people all the time is find a problem you're really excited to solve for the rest of your life. And once you solve that problem, find another variation or a bigger thing or go duplicate the solution or whatever. But that's what I did. It was like, we opened up a really good place for kids to go. Then I talked to kids all over the planet and they were like, we need one of these in our town. And then the goal for me was like, dude, you're sitting on the next YMCA. You have to just learn and grow and build yourself up as a leader and as a organization. And you've got to go from, hey, this is how we solve it to no, this is how we solve it on paper. So when you're doing a hiring cycle. Someone can come in and do those things. When you're a speaker by yourself giving a speech, and I had four or five full-time people, and we were traveling the world together, and I had content teams. It was awesome, but that company's not going to change the world when I'm gone. That company's only going to be as big as Mike getting on a plane, getting on a stage, and that's that wasn't it for me. Building something that is big enough to impact. I saw the kids around the world. I used to make fun of them. I would be like, "Do you know how quick you all look the same?" A song happens on. 
the internet. And then all of a sudden you're identical from New York to LA to Paris. You guys are the same. And it was crazy. And I'd see it. And I know what they want to do what I'm doing, like something that they love, that they enjoy, that's meaningful. Like they wanted a career similar to what I'm trying to create for myself. A lot of them do. And so I just know, and I kept, every time I'd be talking, I was like, if you quit here, it stops here. You know what I mean? The bay stops right here if you quit right here, is what I would always tell myself. There was enough in me, and I'm competitive as hell, and there's enough in me to just, I tattooed a chip on my shoulder, literally, that says, use it. So like, I'm, I like to compete, and I like to push myself. And there was, and then I think seeing millions of kids hearing them talk about how a place like this was exactly what they needed. And I knew I was never going to build it for that specific kid. But what I do know is what we're building works for kids everywhere. And that was enough for me to say, okay, dude, like this one's not for you. This one's not even for the 10 kids that you know, or the thousand kids that you're impacting now. This is for all those kids that might get to taste this or feel this or be a part of this or experience this if you just kept pushing. And that was why I kept pushing is it doesn't have to stop right here. And I feel like we, I was able to push through that. Like now we have a team and now we have enough employees and we can scale this. And our board is in a good place where we can do this and grow this into something that's bigger. But if I would have quit five years ago, we'd have a really cool skate park in Lincoln. That would be it. You know what I mean? And it, and it's cool. And that was good. But like now we're a school and if we can start a public school here, you can start a public school in Omaha. And if you can do it in Omaha, you can do it in Kentucky. And if you can do it in Kentucky, you can do it in Seattle and Kansas. Like you can do it anywhere if the model is proven. And so people can char- start charter schools with money. You can start a private school with money. And do all of but starting a public school and doing it their way, that's innovating something. That's innovating a dinosaur. Like we're innovating a dinosaur, but that's every town is run off a of public school. Every community, that's what runs the, when schools shut down, how the adults do? Not great. Not great. So our schools really run things. And so we can genuinely show public schools, here's a dynamic different way to impact those kids that really struggle in your inside of the box environment. But let's give you a two, 300 kid version where you, ju- you can build it at your school. Just build something that looks like this at your school and watch what happens. You know what I mean? Find the three or four community partners like us because they're everywhere they can come in and invest in these kids, watch what happens. And it's, that's what we can show people. And so I think that we got through the, we're just a skate park phase. And now we're into the, like, we can do this in multiple communities and really change communities phase. And that's what I'm excited about. And that's what kept me going, honestly, like to insert, it was that it was the, like, you were creating incremental value, but you kept seeing the bigger value that you could generate in this. And that's, what's so cool. There's so much I want to kind of ask you. I don't know, maybe dating myself. Do you remember there was a TV series, but the movie Fame? In listening to you describe this, I so think you guys need to have a movie. Just because there was like, I was never a theater observer in music, but I had friends who were. And I remember them. For me, it was Chariots of Fire, of all things, for running. That just got me so gronked. But I remember like when that came out, they were like, oh my God, this exists. And... That became such a defining. I could so see kids like, wait, skating and school? I can skate. It's just that mind blast. In like then bringing us back, I'm also going to just reference your book because you were talking so much about the things that were of value and talking about you could just do X. You could just be the influencer, the paraphrase. And 
could have done just that and it would have been okay, but tactical structure probably would have been cool, but not like the meaning to it. And I think that's an interesting, since I just, I get pitched quite often of like X influencer wants to be on your show. They can get you this many clicks from their audience and all this. And it's like, wow, that's so cool. You talked about this passion and not that you use the passion, but then because there's this problem there, what has helped you keep away? Because this is, I think, I know I failed my last business that I sold when we got bigger. I let the ego get into my efforts. How do you keep it being a game that is about the legacy, not the clicks? To call out your book. <laughs> I was looking, I was like, I think I have one. <laughs> yeah. By the way, guys, I will put this in the thing. He has a great book. Don't even know. I don't know if you can buy it anywhere other than the Jostens website, but it's called, this was dark mode. It's called Legacy versus Likes. And it's literally for kids, not for, it'll take you 12 seconds to read it as an adult. It's for kids, but I made it to look cool and be visually driving. But for me, I never cared. I never cared. I don't know how to say this any other way. I'm going to say this because this is, I say this to my friends a lot. You can use this however we want, but I have said, if I was going to write another book, so don't steal this from me, but if I was ever going to write another book, I would want to call it something like this. And this is, there's no research. There's no nothing behind this. This is just what I've observed from the whole world as I've seen it over the last 12 years, flying around, working with companies, working with famous people, working with rich people, working with the impact sector. And I feel like people are chasing what I call the seven F's. So these are like the seven F's that I think that people run after. And so people run after fame, finances, freedom, family, faith, fun, and fucking. Those are the seven F's. Those are it. Like we are, people are driven by those things. For the cover, I'll have to put like a little, like a percentage sign over the fucking. That would sell. That cover right there would sell if you save that last F for the last one. But like, I've heard people say, oh, I know this person, they've got billions of dollars and they literally would say they'd rather be famous than rich. And they'll spend all their money trying to go get fame because they don't want to be people to care about them because they're rich. They want to be famous. I know people who just want freedom. That's it. Like they just want freedom. I'm one of those people. I know people who just want fun and they're chasing fun. I'm also one of those people. I know people who want money so bad that they can't think of anything else but how to get it. It's ruined them. And there are some people who, I just want a family. I need a family. I want to be a, I want, I've had friends. One of my, one of the toughest dudes I knew in high school, he's like, I just want to be a dad. And that was all I cared about. And I've seen the hardest dudes, the hardest skate dudes that were like, looked like a pissed off Jason Statham would never say anything to you. Now they've got six kids and they're like Mr. Rogers on the block. You know what I'm saying? And it's, they needed that family bucket filled up to fulfill who they are. And I think I heard this the other day, jealousy and envy is a beacon. I'm not jealous of someone who's got a really cool car. I don't care about really cool, nice cars. I drive old shitty trucks, right? I don't care about that. But somebody who's got like 20 acres of property and their own little dirt bike track and a pond and in space, I'm like, give it to me. You know what I mean? Like, you know what I'm saying? I could give two shits how many followers you have on Instagram. I've never cared. That's such a hassle to manage. If your face is every box on your social media, that is so much to manage. There's so much pressure every day to be a certain way. Mine is look at this dope event or party or crazy thing we did with kids and young people. I'm behind the camera half the time. It's awesome. There's no, there's nothing to manage there. You know what I mean? I don't have to worry about, do I show people my dinner tonight? God, no, I never do. You don't care. I don't care. But like, 
what I was chasing wasn't fame. It wasn't to be seen. I wanted to use the internet to spread a message, to build the brand. Or I created a show for a free show for teachers to play in school for kids that brought famous people on called The Harbor. We've did 160 episodes. Millions of kids watch this. I go through drive throughs in Lincoln and kids will be like, do you make videos while I'm ordering food? They'll like hear my voice, but they watch it like, oh yeah, kids watch it every week in schools all across the country. It's called the Harbor TV, but it's a locked down piece of content I made for a company that schools use. And so it's awesome. But like Jostens, like the yearbooks, rings, caps, gowns, but Jostens has reps all across the country that work with 80, 90% of schools in America. And those reps give that content to those schools that work with them. And so many schools have access to the show. It's free. Tony Hawk was on it. Kelsey Ballerini was on it. Vaughn Miller, John Harbaugh, like really cool people were on this show telling a cool message. Tony Hawk said, don't get famous for being famous. Get famous for doing something, having a skill. Like he said, not their parents. You know what I mean? You were famous as a kid. What do you say to all the kids out there that want to be famous? And he was like, get famous for being good at something. Don't get famous because you want to be famous. But he's speaking to that. He's seen so many people that want fame for fame's sake, not for skill's sake. And so to me, it's, I think the seven F's to me, it's like, okay, what do you actually, what motivates you? If you hear family, faith, freedom, fun, finances, fame, all that stuff, you hear that and you're like, what drives you? And it's like, I'm not driven by ego. Like I worked with kids partly because I wanted to be a kid. I love working with young people because they, they have my energy. And so I'm chasing freedom and I'm chasing fun. And you need money to be free. If you're going to take out school loans and buy a house, yeah, you need that, right? But you don't need I know how to make a lot of money. If I want to go make a lot of money, I'll go put this energy on a corporate stage and start speaking. And I could go make a ton of money, but I don't, I, that my soul would be like, because I wouldn't feel free. I want to ride my mini bike around a, a sand trails in central Nebraska on the weekends and just mess around and have fun right now. Cause that's what gives me a sense of belonging and it fills me up and I, it gets me energized to go have the energy to do this work. And so, I don't know, for me, it's like, I never cared about the money. I just didn't. And I think that kept me humble on this train of, I'm not driven to make a ton of money. I turned down speaking. I got asked to speak. It was like a White House type invitation. Somebody who worked at the White House. It was like a, comp- a government building, government agency, whatever. It was like going to be $20,000, $30,000. And I said, no. And this was like a few months ago. My agent who booked for me was like, are you crazy? And I just said, do you want to go camping instead? <laughs> That's what I literally said to him. I'd rather go camping with my wife than get on that stage right now. Because the story I want to tell, I'll go tell it in 20 years when this season's done and I'm ready. But like, I'm not there yet. I'm like my heart is still in this like freedom and fun stage. And that's where I'm at right now. That's where I always was. No matter what happened, no matter how big it got, no matter what cool opportunity came, I was like, that's not my world. I'm not of that world. You know what I mean? I'm of this world. And it's a different one. And I know my world, I know what world I want to be in. You know what I mean? It's funny because I was just talking with my mastermind group about the whys that we do things because we're all, all different types of, but like this ability to know your why allows, it's this kind of weird thing because too often it's taught or, hey, you need to know the why. Here's your paragraph. And it means nothing. But when you live your why, I think. It doesn't solve all your problems, but as I think you've been talking about, it does help. It's like a, it's like a cheat code, a conversion optimization in that 
you've been talking about being able to say no to things that take you away from your mission. And that assumption on my part is that probably allows you to be more effective at gener- creating this value that you want to in, in the creating the school, doing all this stuff by saying no and being able to say no to things that are ego stroking, pocketbook friendly, et cetera, is difficult. I know this quite well. And it's your ability to have that why makes everything else not done, but more effective. Seems very much like you can do this better because you have the why. Totally. And I think for me, I have to set like hard rules for myself, like a, okay, this chapter is closed. So really turn the book and be about something different. And so I like feel like I said everything. The last thing I said on my show was an episode called change. And I was like, don't be scared of change. Get good at it. You know what I mean? Don't run from it, get good at it. And then the last thing I literally said was, I don't have anything else I want to say. And then I walked off and that was it. And like, the truth is right now, I don't have anything else I want to say. So I feel like I'm in a learning stage where I'm trying to now learn from people and absorb. And I got through the grind hustle. I, I tattooed grind on my hand and focus my other one. You know what I mean? And it's, but then I just tattooed slow down on the other side. You know what I'm saying? And so it's, I see the slow down one way more. It's a way better message for me. But I'm in a different season where now it's time for me to learn. It's time for me to reflect. I'm not out trying to have a big social life. I'm spending time focused on like myself, my physical self, my like actual self right now. And I'm trying to get as smart as I can so that I'm prepared to lead a team. We we have 40 on our team now. You have probably had teams add so many zeros. You know how many people are running companies with way more people? Totally get it. Totally get it. You're building a for-profit. 40 is a lot when it's like everyone's working with youth. And then it's like, the you know what I'm saying? That's when you get into like, sometimes principals and superintendents are managing insane things during the day. Like someone walks in their office and they're like, this happened in the classroom today. And they're like, I'll catch you after this finance meeting. And they're like, oh my God. In my mind, I'd be like, I cannot believe that just happened. When kid stuff happens, it feels so gigantic. Do you know what I mean? It's just gigantic because it involves so many other things. But anyway, it's a season where I like, I've gone back to class and school twice and got certified in. I felt like I was good at marketing, but don't have a degree in it. So I went and got certified in story brand to be like a certified guide. Donald Miller's whole like story, you can become a guide. And the reason I became a guide was I learned a ton of awesome marketing language and templates and cheat sheets that I can give to teenagers now when they're learning this stuff in school and I can give it to my staff and I can, our entire internal marketing is changing. We're doing a whole website rebrand, but had I not gone and got smart and learned all this stuff and come back with some templates, my team would it be any better? But now we're way better because I went and did that. And then I went through this Design Your Life. It's an awesome book, but it's Bill Burnett and Dave Evans, just Design Your Life, but they're design dudes out of Stanford. And so same thing. I'm like, our school's going to have design thinking baked into it and really teach kids like, this is the process of solving problems. This is how the mouse was created. This is how a computer was created, was this type of thinking. You're all creatives. Think like this. Because I tell our kids this all the time. If you're not a pro skateboarder by the time you're like 13, you're not going to be in a pro skateboard really hard, right? That grind is hard. So instead of saying, I want to be a pro skateboarder, and this is mind mapping, it's from their book. Instead of being a pro skateboarder, write skateboarding. And then off of skateboarding, I have them draw 10 lines and come up with all the different jobs 
that support the skate industry. You could be a graphic designer. You could be a filmer. You could start a nonprofit skate park. You could be a host. You could build skate parks. You could design skate parks. You could go work at a skate shop. You could design clothing for a skate brand. You could be a sales rep who travels around the world selling to shops. You could open your own skate shop. Now the kids are going, oh shit, I can have a career in skateboarding that could last my whole career versus just like hucking myself down some stairs in my early 20s, hoping to make maybe a million bucks if I'm lucky. You know what I mean? That is brilliant because I think it even goes further. Once you start learning like, okay, there are things outside of being the X game star. You start realizing not just in that industry, but you're like, oh, if I have these skills, I got into business because I loved comedy. I couldn't tell a joke to save my life, but I was writing for friends or setting up skits. And it was like, I then got into writing and I liked writing, but I was like, yeah, I wasn't great at that, but I loved the problem, the conceptualizing. And then all of a sudden I fell into business, all things. And I fell in love. It was like, oh, it's problem solving in my business professor. Yeah. I was like creating things to then solve problems. You're like, no, you have to work within a company. I was like, yeah, now it's all entrepreneurism in business schools. But at that time it was like, but like it was that fault. Like, oh, if I can't do X, you just don't stop. You expand out. And then all of a sudden you start with time and like the infrastructure you're creating, kids could start seeing, oh, these things connect, which I don't think trying to tell people like, oh, if you love this, and you really dig into it and you start practicing everything around it, you could take that into life, into other things. Absolutely. We have a little pop-up thing called art and thrift. And so it's like all the kids like to buy old vintage Nebraska shirts at the thrift stores in small towns and they sell them for 45 bucks. Imagine if there was one place where like 30 thrift booths pop up, all their best stuff and there's music and food trucks and art stuff and your daughter can come and then it's like, they're all right there. And so we do that in our space. But what's cool is we're giving that to the high school kids. So the kids are running art and crypt. Now they're the vendors. They got to run the event. They got to be the pop-up booths. They got to learn to sell their stuff. But we have one of our high school kids who he bought his car because of art and thrift. He was selling skate shirts and selling like thrasher tees to college girls who don't skate, but will spend 40 bucks on the thrasher tee. You know what I'm saying? Like he's got all that stuff. And so he bought a $2,800 car and has his insurance and he's selling every time. I'm like, how you doing? And he'll unzip his little cash bag. And it's just like wads of twenties. Cause he's just hawking t-shirts and he's probably who knows where he's going to go. But man, that kid knows what it's like to buy stuff, sell stuff, mark it up and then get, save enough money to buy a car. And that, and he's only 16. There's a lot of 17, 18, 19, 20 year olds who still don't know how to do that right now. If you've got those skills, and you can learn these things early, man, by the time you get to college, you're seeing the world as a way to make money or you're seeing ways because what happens to so many kids is they're the cow headed to go get branded, tagged, stickers, shot, everything. You know what I'm saying? Largely on the track that your parents put you on. Like it's their credit card. They're paying for your rent. It's their car. It's actually their car insurance. You run out of cash and it's like, dad, mom, it's the text. Hey, you overdrew your account. Like, I'm sorry. Like, I just had to get brunch with my friends, like whatever the lame excuse is. Like that is 99.9% of the college kids who have the means to so do it that way. Then there's the kids who are like grinding it out. Like they're their own support system. They're their own parents. Like they're the ones that paid for their car. They're fighting for it. You see that too. You see like both, but the kids who are grinding and fighting for it, they're realizing you can make money 
and have hustles while you're doing it. And those are the kids who are coming out on a rocket ship because companies are looking at them like, we just hired a, a young person who's awesome at youth programming and was also the founder of her own nonprofit driving an art book around. She can do, she knows both. So when I talk with them, you're like, you know how hard it is to get grants? And they're like, of course they get it. And you're like, all right, for our grant, we got to do X. And their understanding of what we're doing is gigantic because they played every side of it as an entrepreneur. But when you're an entrepreneur, you're the janitor, the accountant, the insurance guy, coffee maker, marketer, you're everything. You're all of it. And the earlier you learn that lesson in life, you might not stick with entrepreneurship. You might not create your own company, but the earlier you learn that lesson in life, the better you fit into the business world because you understand why things are happening around you the way they're happening around you. I have two examples of kids. This will crack you up. And it happened in I've had a millennial kid do this and a Gen Z kid do this. So it's not even generation exclusive here. One kid blew up on Twitter, started this like sports nation thing, killing it. He has all these athletes coming, working with him. And this is Twitter, call it six, seven, eight years ago. He was a, a millennial kid and he's doing a presentation. We're both doing a presentation for banks and he goes before I do and he crushes it, kills it, does a great job. Everybody loves him. He walks away and I'm like, hey dude, real quick, as I walk up, I go, do you know what an ROI is? And he was like, I have no idea. And no clue. And this kid's making money, hiring people, getting brands. Like, do you know what I'm saying? And I'm like, yeah, what's the ROI on a tweet? He doesn't even care. Those kids are everywhere right now. We've got two kids who work for us. They have millions of followers on TikTok. They got like $2,000 e-bikes sent to them for free just so they would unbox it and go ride it around. Like they're doing TikToks for Tony Hawk's team and all this stuff. Same thing. You ask him, like, what's an ROI? What's this? What's, what does it mean? What's a proof of concept? If they wanted you to send them like a, a proof of concept before you do something, they, didn't, they don't know what a pitch deck is. Like literally never made one, don't know what it is, but they're making real money and have real followers and crowdsourced road trips across the country from the kids that they know. And so it's like, if you can sharpen and mold that up, whether these kids go on to be famous and have their own TV show someday, or they go on to be the director of whatever. They have a language now and they understand the social fabric, the internet fabric of the world better than you and I ever could because they're the ones that are driving it now. We drove it when old guys knew how to run it in the old days. Now it's the TikTok generation. It's theirs. It's that once Snapchat and TikTok gave the power to the kids and adults were now the outsiders looking in, that's what happened. We became outsiders looking into it. You know what I mean? every wave of interaction, there's like the, you should do it this way crowd. And then there's the crowd that just is hacking it. It is that I'm fucking going to just do whatever works. And then all of a sudden it's, oh, that really is the same. They come up with new vocabulary. They do this and that. But the reality is it's, oh, they're mixing and matching. They're collaging. They're taking ideas and playing together because they don't know they're not supposed to do X and Z together. So it's like, sure, throw them together. Oh, <laughs> that worked. Wait, it's not supposed to. That is not. This is so fascinating what you're doing. And you've been talking about this idea that you want to be solving problems and you're just now getting the school just launched. You have kids now. God, you must have the coolest teachers. But to kind of get to it, how are you not? the program, Natural Rebel Mill, but you already said earlier, you're going to go solve a problem and use this passion and everything, and then go find something else. How are you defining what success is going to be for Mike Smith, the social entrepreneur? I am sticking to the, I think I'm changing two sectors at the same time. 
And I think that they need each other, but I think there's the after school space, out of school time programming. And then there's this public school thing we're doing with Bay High. To me, like those are the two big things I want every community to have access to. Like either the blueprint or a, yes, we want to put one in our town and they can click a button and we're on the other end of that. And it's here is exactly how you do it. And here's the playbook. That to me is when I will have reached the entrepreneur, the social entrepreneurship success that I'm looking for is this thing is scalable, replicable, and impactful all over. And if that's just Nebraska in my lifetime, cool. The dude who started the YMCA, I guarantee you he was long gone before it jumped the pond and they started everything all over the world. And he'll never know, but that's the trajectory I want. The Bay and our, and Rabble Mill, like Rabble Mill's the organization, but the place like the Bay, these youth centers, those things, I think in Bay High, those things I think are replicable in other places. So that's the like big, hey, we're not going to make a billion dollars. We're not going to hire 10,000 employees. We're not going to have 98% market penetration, whatever people's big goals are. We took KPIs back. I hate KPIs. There's in my world, they're so lame. Like, how do you, what do you do in my world? It's like you're building relationships with young people and it's like, it's so hard to have a KPI, right? So, you know, how many youth that live in a qualified census track were in your skate park after 10 PM? Like that would be the federal language we would, do you get what I'm saying? It's like that, that's a, a real KPI that we stared at on paper and was like, I don't think anybody's going to be passionate about that one. And so it loses it. So you get it. Imagine what our KPIs would have to be and how we would put a soul to them. So we created a separate system that we're, this is something we're excited to build and grow, but we call it SMIs and it stands for significant moments of impact. And so how do those relate to our core values? Our core values are dream different, people over policy, celebrating others, honoring relationships, making it fun, focusing on solutions, not problems. And so those are like the things that raise the tide. That's how we get better. We raise this together. You know what I mean? And so we look at it and it's like, okay, so you have a, I have a great story of like when we first started these things, because we were battling the KPI or SMI. So we're in a staff meeting and we're talking about stuff and we're talking about significant moments of impact. And this kid walks in and he's like, hey, interrupts the staff meeting. This happens in our space all the time. So we all look and he's like, I just FaceTimed my dad. And everybody's like, oh, cool. He's like, I never met my dad before. Everybody looks and it's like looking at, it's the Spider-Man meme of who's jumping in and our, one of our dudes hops up puts his arm around the kid. He's like, yeah, I don't really know my dad that well either. They like walk out, they go talk, they do their thing. He walks back in, everybody looks at him and he's like, well, how is that for a significant fucking moment of impact or something like that? And we all we're like, that's what it is. You know what I mean? And it's like, yeah, we got, we got it. And it's like, that's why we exist. Like that moment right there, that interruption, our staff meeting, that interruption and that kid, we all have a job. So moments like that can exist. And so there's this other part of what does success look like for me? And it's, are we creating significant moments of impact in young people's lives? If we're doing that, and if we're doing that through skateboarding, through fashion, through beat making, through youth culture, if we're doing it the way we're doing it, I know exactly what kind of kid we're going to attract. I know exactly what kind of people we're going to work with. You know exactly what skills you can teach them because there's a certain type of young person drawn to those activities. When you look at those kids and then you look at where they end up in their careers, you're like, it's not typically HR, it's not finance, it's not sales, it's your marketing and creative spaces that, and that where they can just flood those industries, we just got to prepare them for it. And so to me, there's this, if we're not creating significant moments of impact in kids' lives, we're never going to get the privilege to hand them a camera and say, look what you can learn with this. Do you know what I'm saying? Because otherwise you're just a teacher in a class saying, Here's a camera. 
here's the rule triangles or here's the rule of thirds or whatever. And it's like, learn this skill. Hopefully you remember it. Have a good day. In 59 minutes, someone else is coming in in that same exact seat. And I'm going to tell them this as well. We can go deeper than that because we can. And so to me, it's about these SMIs. We're going to scale. We're going to grow. We're going to build this big thing. And how are we going to do it? Because we create significant moments of impact through our programming. And that is what drives our staff. If you talk to our Bay High teachers and you see our text threads with them, my texts are like, have an incredible day. Know you're going to be out there creating moments of impact in these people's lives. Today's all about building relationships. So excited to see what you can do. That's like the work text that they get from their boss as they're walking in to go work with you. That's like what we're doing. You know what I mean? And it's, that is success to me, like creating a space where that's the job and that's the goal. And if, if we can gift that to many communities across the globe and they can experience what we're experiencing here, whether it's called the Bay or they call it what they call it, if we can create the blueprint and the model and we can democratize how to do this because we're not special, it's Lincoln, Nebraska, for God's sakes. If we can do it here, what the hell? It can happen anywhere. You know what I mean? And like the most innovative things don't typically start in the middle of America. They can, but typically it's the reason something like this can happen here is you can get a whole community to buy in right away because Lincoln is Lincoln and we have an incredible community. It's hard to get New York City to all buy in right away with something like this because there's too many players in the game. But if we can do it first here and incubate it here and show people it's possible and give them best practices and base it in research and show them over a period of time, look at the model, look what we're doing, then it's duplicable. And that to me is where we're headed. Yeah. And we can go into the all outside versus inside different things. I think to a large degree, it's easier to create outside because one, it's easier to live as someone who spent 20 plus years living in New York when even after I sold my company, it was like, it's expensive, it's intense, and it takes a lot. Once you have something though, that environment ex- helps accelerate it. But nowadays, that advantage still there. It's still great if you have something and it's helpful to jump. But like you can get the internet, as you were saying earlier. The internet's like New York City 25 years ago. It's just like there is mass. Like used to be if you were different, Eventually, if you wanted to be among your kind, you went to New York, San Fran, yeah, maybe Chicago, but that was it. Now there's the internet and there is this idea of being able to find not your kind, but like-minded and people who are open to experimentation among business model, lifestyles, et cetera. That is so exciting. Like you're saying, you're creating something. It is not in any way a tech, but the internet culture allows you to, you can play off of that and accelerate your capabilities on your value drive because that exists out there, which is just like what the, so cool compared to 35 years ago when I was a kid. It just has so changed, so sweet. You talked about like, well, your passion, your drive, where you're going, what is success, how this is going on. We did talk about you going back to school. There's so many things to like take out of this conversation. What is something like someone listening to the show? Do you take donation? What's something that the listeners, the other entrepreneurs listening to the show, what can they do? Can they go check out Reverend Mill? Do you take donation? What can we do? Yeah, absolutely. I would say there's two things. One is we will, I will always take money for our organization. That's my job. I like, 
I totally. It's one of my favorite spaces to be in now is had successful businesses, have met successful business owners. Now I'm choosing to hop into this nonprofit space full time, but they know, and I know, and we all know how it works. And so it's so, I feel like Robin Hood walking in there where I'm like, you're giving me this money one way or another. And we all know it because we're friends and they're going to do it. And I know how to talk their language. And so I'm in the most, I've never had this much fun asking people for money as I do right now, because I've never had so much fun stuff to talk about as we do now. And so if you want to donate and contribute and get involved, rabblemill.org, or you can hit us up. There's a donate button. Click it. If you've sold some companies, just add a zero. Whatever you're thinking, I would just say add a zero. You got it. And we'll take it. <laughs> so totally. My other thing I would say is I would love, I am in that season where I just need to keep meeting people who can connect me to people who can connect me to people. The expert to franchising things, the person who can help get these things straight. Like, there are people that I need to meet in this journey as I go from being, when you speak, it's only a, you're only a couple stages away from being with the biggest people in the world and you're fist bumping them on, as you pass on the way by. That happens quickly in that world. That world's gone for me. This new world of scaling a socially impact-driven space for youth where the money isn't big, but the impact is great. That's a whole new arena that I've got to go learn and grow and develop in. And so there are so many successful entrepreneurs out there who know they went from one gas station to 10,000 from one car wash to jet splash. You know what I mean? And it's like, what's, or whatever it is, I'm excited to hear and learn and just, I'm in a learning season. So if there's anybody listening to this, it's, I'll get a virtual cup of coffee with that dude. Or if you find yourself in Lincoln and Omaha, swoop through, come check out what we're doing. And I'd love to take you for a cup of coffee. Cool. No, obviously everyone, if you have a great idea for Mike, please reach out to him. We'll put his Twitter and he has a great Twitter feed. We'll put that all down in the show notes. That way you can reach out to Mike. Mike, I want to keep this conversation going. I would love to maybe dive in at another time on significant moments of impact because I think we just touched that. And as an analytics person, I'm like, whoa, I'm so trying to, even as we were talking, I'm like, hey, can we merge these two? I would love to dive into so much more here. So Mike, thank you for being on the show today. I really am hoping we get to talk again real soon. Of course. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for being on the show. This episode of Beyond Eight Figures is over, but your journey as an entrepreneur continues. So if we can help you with anything, please just let us know. And if you like this episode, please share it with someone who might learn from it. Until next time, keep growing and find the joy in your journey. This is AJ, and I'll be talking to you soon. Bye-bye.